do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. <laughs> My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical Liberal Cube list. I have not recorded in a while, so this may go off the rails. In fact, I feel like it already has, and the fact that I mention it further derails. Oh, listen to that voice go as well. Interesting, interesting. Uh, yes, when we get into uh, a Game Gabin, you will know why, or if you listened to last episode, you will know why. I haven't recorded in a while, uh, but without further uh, preamble, I will push a button that will start a series of five, uh, five-minute timers that I will, at the very least, I always make some modicum of attempt to follow the timer rule, but uh, we'll see if I follow it today. I don't know. I have little in the way of plans. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Marmalade. Non-specific, just the concept of Marmalade. Okay, uh, my movie monologue uh, little uh, cue there sort of fits well lately with the fact that I'm watching at least, at least one James Bond movie a week. Uh, this particular one uh, that I'm going to talk about is Die Another Day. Uh, yeah, this uh, Pierce Brosnan, James Bond is sent to investigate the connection between North Korean terrorist and a diamond mogul who is funding the development of an international space weapon. Because if I know anything of international space weapons, quite often they involve needing diamonds for them. Because that's a thing, somehow. Uh, this one has Halle Berry. It's, it's the Halle Berry one. Uh, you got Judy Dench, John Cleese, Michael Madsen, which is sort of weird and pretty great. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a weird Michael Madsen is, is in a James Bond movie. It, it just seems that it shouldn't happen, but does, and I don't mind it. Um, sort of a, a Rosamund Pike who's been in a lot of things. Uh, I didn't actually remember her in this, but she was very good, actually, compared to some of the Bond uh, women. Yeah, it's normally Bond girls, so I'm going to go ahead and call them Bond women. Uh, Rating-wise, I, I do enjoy this. It's got some good gadgets. It does have that weird Halle Berry, Pierce Brosnan sex scene that uh, really, uh, really gets into it. Uh... I'll, I'll go like a like a four. Yeah, this is a good good James Bond movie. 
And, and saying it's a good movie and a good James Bond movie can potentially mean different things. Okay, moving on to uh, Quadrophenia. Yeah, a movie I'd heard about a million times in one form or the other and uh, finally decided to uh, pull the trigger. came out in 1979 uh, as sort of a very heavily... Uh, would you call it a jukebox? No, you wouldn't call it a jukebox movie. Uh, lots of music. And, and I've always heard this had really good music in it. And it does uh, to a degree. Uh, more of the sort of London music scene, which maybe differs from some of the music I listen to. Um, my, my music taste definitely could be considered eclectic, uh, and 99% of music I listen to is from the 60s, uh, 70s, and stops about in the 80s, and then every f f one in, uh, I don't know, 10,000 songs from the <laughs> 80s, 90s, and today, uh, I like, but uh, for the most part I'm sort of stuck in this era of music, so I thought I would like the movie, and it was pretty good. Uh, it is like, uh, you could say this is an exact, almost, not replica is, is too strong a word, but it has a very, very strong feel to uh, the movie American Graffiti, uh, just set in a different time uh, and in London. Yeah, so take American Graffiti, call it uh, London Graffiti, and uh, set it, uh, you know, 20 years in the future. And you have uh, Quadrophenia. We've got two, oh, rating. Uh, it was just okay. I, I'll just go three. I, I didn't have as much, maybe because I've been hyped up every time I heard about it. I don't know. Uh, okay, moving on to Paddington. Yes, that's Paddington, as in the bear. Uh, had heard, and I think maybe I've mentioned it on this podcast, or definitely will later, how many times I had heard good things about the movie Paddington 2, somehow, some way, from grown men on uh, adult podcasts. Uh, so, uh, decided uh, with the missus was going to watch Paddington 2, and because my brain would not let me watch Paddington 2 without watch Paddington 1, I watched it by myself. A 37-year-old, red-blooded Canadian male sat down and watched Paddington by himself. And you know what? I'm not going to apologize for it, so screw you. In fact, I'm going to give it like a 4 to 5 out of 5. It was really good, fun, lots of laughs. Um, Paddington, the the bear himself, uh, like seamlessly, you could tell it's a CGI bear, obviously, but uh, it does fit pretty seamlessly in the real world, which is, is pretty cool. Uh, okay, so, uh, oh shit, my timer. Okay, uh, last but not least, Anvil, colon, the story of Anvil. Uh, this falls into the movie category of movies I thought I hadn't seen and then started watching and then realized I had seen. Genre of films. Uh, that being said, I, I will say I left it on because it is a really good movie. Uh, I'd go like a 4 or 5 out of 5. It's a good doc about, you guessed it, the band Anvil. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Lawyer Jokes. Okay, I did it in... I don't know if I broke any records, but uh, I definitely did it quickly. I finished uh, the television show Suits. Man, I flew through that. I, I, I gotta say, and I think I mentioned this in, uh, in my talk of Suits Season 1 and 2. Uh, this is talk seasons 
uh, excuse me, three and six, uh, mentioned that this uh, show on while playing a video game is a real good peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and marmalade if you're in a Paddington mood. Uh, yeah, yeah, really, really goes well hand in hand. Uh, it, it's not that's not a put down. It's just some shows like uh, the Mrs. and I are watching The Wire. Uh, that show I don't think would be as good to watch while playing a video game because you have to pay more attention to it <laughs> because you'll miss things. Whereas this is it's it sort of follows a formula um, a little bit. So that being said, there's there, there's moments of surprise and excitement and uh, and quite epi- uh, quite often cliffhangers at the end of episodes would literally leave my uh, mouth ajar, ajar, ajar. A jar, a jar. I'm not sure what is. Well, let's let's go with jar. Uh, yeah. So uh, if you're unfamiliar, I remember my first talk. Uh, I won't go into it too much, but I thought the show was about guys who owned magical suits that made them good at lawyer stuff. That is not the case. Uh, it's about a uh, sort of New York's finest lawyer, never lost a case. Uh, somehow, some way hires on uh, this dude who never actually passed the bar to become a lawyer. Uh, he is able to uh, fool his way into lawyership by having a photographic memory. Uh, so every lawyer book he's ever read, he has stored in his brain. He's like a lawyer computer. He's really like an anything computer as long as he reads it. Uh, so, uh, photographic memory, like this, the one thing it, it made me want to know more of that, just as like a scientific fact. Uh, I don't know if it's as accurate as this guy has it in this show. Like, uh, he has it where if he sees papers on your desk, he can remember what was on them from just a glance. Uh, I don't know how accurate that is. That's like a Sherlock Holmes sort of thing. Uh, and, and I also find that people at least in fiction, who have photographic memories to this degree are often insane. <laughs> but uh, he's sort of just a normal dude, so I don't know about that. Uh, the show in general uh, had quite a few, quite often, uh, uh, guest stars from Star Trek television shows or other nerdy television shows, in- including uh, Gina Torres. Oh shit, did I get that name right? Which I'm horrible with names and I wasn't looking that up. Uh, from Angel and Buffy, uh, sorry, Angel and Firefly fame. Uh, one thing I didn't realize, I, I got to the end of season six thinking that uh, the show was actually over. I, I thought I was going to see the series finale. Uh, and then I got to the last episode and <laughs> there was like a big friggin' cliffhanger and realized that uh, season seven uh, has just finished airing. So. Uh, with that in mind, uh, I guess I will be back to talk of Suits again, because my uh, enjoyment, my... We'll go 4 out of 5 enjoyment, 5 out of 5 enjoyment while watching a video game and... Uh, while playing a video game and watching this. That'll be my convoluted rating. Uh, means that I, I will definitely continue on, and I think I could probably get away with not watching from the beginning uh, quite often like with Supernatural. Oh yeah, that's that's something I'm debating. Um, I'll probably wait till it's done done, but will it ever be done? Uh, I, I sort of have that debate going on of whether or not I should uh, start Supernatural back from the beginning again, because I haven't seen the last couple of seasons. 
Uh, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll save it until that show's done. But we're not here to talk about that. We're talking about Suit Season 6, which uh, hopefully we're almost done with because uh, I don't really have much more to say about Suits. Let's instead pause this for a second. Like this. And then unpause it. Like that. <laughs> Literally as soon as I hit the pause button, the timer went off. So. Today's book banter sponsor is The Scroll of Lisa Mattresses. Thank you for that sponsorship. And we're talking The Nether Scroll by Lynn Abbey. Uh, it is a Forgotten Realms book taking place in, you guessed it, the Forgotten Realms of Faerun? Faerun? Yeah. Uh, it is uh, book number four of the Lost Empire Quadrology. Yeah, how about that? Quadrology. That's a fun word to say. Say it to yourself. Uh, okay, so one thing I wanted to point out right off the bat is uh, I read this a couple of weeks ago and am several hundred, in fact, probably near five, a <laughs> uh, hundred pages into another book. It's just that uh, what we're going to be talking about in Game Gabin has sort of put me behind in terms of recording, and I've sort of scheduled my life in terms of media consumption uh, in such a way that uh, I, like I have been trying to not watch a lot of movies or televisions that's why I had all those suits uh, sort of in a row uh, three seasons back to back to back uh, because I didn't want to interrupt uh, what's coming up in Game Gabin uh, with other things such as recording podcasts that's what it's done to my life but uh, the reason I bring it up here is because perhaps my memory of this book is not as strong as it would be as it normally would in a book banter. That being said, uh, I do think this was my, of the series, was it my favorite? I think it might have been. The first one, or this one, was my favorite of the series, and I remember the middle two. One of them I didn't like that much, and one was just okay. Uh, I think the reason I like this one the most was because the main character... Well, uh, let me read the, the Goodreads and maybe it'll help me. Uh, Anosin has been murdered. Oh, yeah. And her son, Galamir, taken hostage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Drew Hallen, a young magic user, must avenge the murder of his teacher and rescue her son from a dubious fate. But not everyone is telling Drew Helen, Hallen the truth. Drew Hallen and his companions must brave the ruins of Decanter... That's with a K. To find a missing artifact, the Nether Scroll. Without the Nether Scroll, Gallimore may die. With it, Drew Hallen may go mad. Spoiler: He doesn't go mad. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. So it's uh these these two uh, young men. Uh, I think it's their mother, if not their mother, their sort of teacher and mentor. Uh, she's murdered. Years pass, and they sort of have spent their life building up their powers and searching for the people behind their, let's just say, mother's murder. Uh, I think the reason I like this is because I feel like in uh, fantasy novels, quite often the main characters are not uh, magic users. And whenever I play D&D, &D, uh, or, yeah, like... 
I'm positive I said this before. The reason I like fantasy novels is because I read as an escape from reality. Uh, And if you're going to escape from reality, why not go those extra steps and escape to a reality that is as far from possible uh, as you can get, and that is the world of fantasy. So, when the main character has uh, magic abilities, uh, I find it's sort of that one extra step further in that uh, that drive to escape. Uh, and plus, this guy was pretty cool, this uh, Drew Hallen. He wasn't just a magic user, he was like a bit of a badass as well, like he, he could uh, fight a bit. Kind of a little uh, Gandalf, Gandalf, Gandalf-like <laughs> in that respect, uh, in that Gandalf, Gandalf, oh fuck. Uh, would he, sure he had magic, but he would also sort of, sort of just kick ass as well, uh, and that's what this guy could do. So uh, we had this guy, and it's always going to be a band. Uh, his brother was held by sort of a, a forest being goddess thing, uh, and that's why he had to get the scroll. But uh, with him was uh, the guy who was captive of his wife, who was like a. A fighter type, yeah. I guess if you're gonna do a D&D, she's just a fighter, and then uh, their uh, adoptive son, who was like a rogue type. Oh, and then like a little goblin guy too. That's kind of fun. Oh, rating? Uh, yeah, go like five out of five. I, I really enjoyed that one. Game Gavin sponsor is Beatles Rupees for Gold. Thank you for that sponsorship. I just realized uh, the the last sound of that Game Gavin uh, 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 sting there was, in fact, the sound of a rupee. What are the odds? Because we're talking Zelda colon Breath of the Wild. Ooh, baby, yeah. Uh, the the fact that it's potential that I bought a Nintendo Switch for one game, which so far has proven true, uh, is is sort of like, oh, geez, you spent all that money on one game. Then you turn around, oh shit, you know what? I I haven't looked, and I don't actually know where to look, but I'm sure it's there somewhere. Uh, I want to see how many hours I've played of this game because it has as only a few times in my life has done uh, sort of taken over my life not since like Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas and Skyrim has a game so thoroughly taken over every waking moment of my life (laughs) seemingly like uh, I'll come home and play it Uh, I'll, I'll play it all weekend I'll, in this case, try not to watch so many movies that I have to record a podcast because I want to be playing it right now. Like, I'm itching right now. You hear that? That's me itching to play it. Uh, Yeah, really just an incredible feat that I feel like I've barely scratched the surface despite having played... I I don't know how many dozens if... I I gotta be getting near... I don't know if I'm at 100 yet. Nah, I, I don't think I'm at 100. Uh, okay, so let's talk about one month then. I think it maybe has been a little longer. What I've sort of accomplished. Okay, so uh, I'm going to sort of pretend that you've played this a little bit. Um, so within the game there are things called shrines. Okay, maybe I'm not going to pretend that. Uh, and, and you go into these to get 
uh, let's just call them orbs. I think they're called spirit orbs, right? Yeah. Uh, and you use those to spend on leveling up your character in terms of uh, his health. And when I say your character, I of course mean Link. <laughs> from the Legend of Zelda series. That Link. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, so uh, you can spend it on either your health or your stamina. And so far I've reached a point where my stamina is as upgraded as it can possibly be. So that's uh, two full extra stamina wheels. Uh, my health is 15, 16, uh, I think I'm at 17. Uh, max is 30, but I, I, I think I've read that you can't actually reach 30. I could be wrong. Uh, basically, I've completed every normal, let's call it, yeah, let's call it normal shrine, every combat shrine, uh, and the only shrines I haven't yet done are the quest-related ones, uh, so I'm sort of looking forward to that. Uh, speaking of quests, in terms of main storyline quests, uh, I've only completed one of the Divine Beasts, sort of like the main dungeons, let's call them. Uh, I've done the camel-looking one, uh, the desert one, uh, just to sort of uh, have one out of the way. But my, my sort of game plan for this game is do all side quests, uh, do all shrines, and man, uh, the, I, I don't know if I'm going to get all seeds. There's 900-some-odd seeds you can collect in the game that you use uh, at first to upgrade your inventory. Uh, and eventually they're just there. <laughs> uh, I'm debating trying to get all of them. Uh, I've put a pretty good dent in them so far. Um, I, I sort of just started that part of things. But I'm at the very least going to fully upgrade everything. Uh, if after that, maybe I'll stop at that point. Maybe I won't go too, too crazy. Because I have, uh, you know, actual PC games sort of just sitting there waiting that I haven't played. Which, uh, to be honest, uh, I haven't really thought of them. I'm just sort of in the mode of playing this. Okay, and uh, my mode of play. So, uh, during the week... Uh, I've been, uh, I got some amiibos, so I've sort of just built, been building up stock of stuff with my amiibos. Uh, then I'll, I'll do, uh, there's a, yeah, this is gonna go long. I, I, I could have done a whole episode on this. Uh, yeah, so during the weekend, and then I'll play like this, uh, bowling game that'll let you build up your rupees, aka money, pretty quick. Uh, so, so during the week I'm not really playing so much as preparing for my weekend play is almost how you could look at it. Maybe I'll do some shrines here and there, but for the most part I'm just sort of just passively doing things um, without really paying attention while like watching TV. And then on the weekends, that's when I go in and do like uh, shrines, uh, and lately I've been trying to build up my uh, uh, like clothing and armor. Uh, so far I have all the sort of main ones, I think. Oh, oh yeah, I wanted to look in the shadow armor. Um, my, my next sort of thing I'm debating, and maybe I'll try it when I'm done this. Let's see, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, I don't know how long it takes, is the Master Trials. That sounds tricky. Although I did do this one shrine that was like an island where you land on it and then all of your gear's taken away. And you have to sort of survive through that. Uh, and I did manage to do that. Although it was, it was tricky. It wasn't crazy tricky. Like it wasn't cheap. Uh, and, and that's my one sort of worry of going into this game. Is I had heard how hard it is. And famously, if you've listened to every episode of this podcast. Which if you have, you're insane and I love you. 
famously not a fan of hard games. Uh, yeah, don't really like them. As soon as I reach a level of frustration, I will basically stop playing and find something else. Um, with that in mind, and knowing and hearing that this game is not easy, that was my one sort of worry. Uh, and it's not, it's not easy per se, and it's not super hard per se, but it does... The, it is challenging in such a way that I've never really felt frustrated from dying, which is incredible. Like, I've died, you know, more times than I can count, but uh, you're, you're back up pretty quick, and I've never had it feel cheap. Uh, yeah, it, it's really a, a pretty good balance, so that's why I'm thinking maybe I'll do the Master Trials today. That's good because it means your Master Sword can... Uh, it becomes more powerful, so... More powerful swords are fun and funny. Um, Zelda Breath of the Wild, um, one month-ish in, five out of five. And I'm sure, most likely, we'll be back for more what happened to my timer. Oh. Hello, timer? Thank you. Today's Internet Intercourse is rather a double movie monologue, which is sponsored by the seared essence of pork with a melange of hen ovum and tomato reduction compote, aka bacon, scrambled eggs, and ketchup. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first is, you guessed it, another James Bond, Casino Royale. Yes, we are into the... Uh, What's-His-Nuts uh, movies. Uh, the This dude, Daniel Craig. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not my favorite James Bond. He's, uh, as I say, Daniel Craig James Bond movies. They're great action movies, but they're not, for me, great James Bond movies, necessarily. They don't have... He's, he's too intense, he's too serious, and I, I don't even know if it's him so much as the franchise as a whole took a, a, a serious sort of bent... Which, uh, I, I like the sort of crazy ridiculousness of it. Which, you know, there's, there's, that's peppered in. But the sort of tone changed with these ones, I feel like. Uh, Casino Royale. Great movie. Great action movie. Rating of 4 out of 5. But, uh, you know, is it a great James Bond movie? Many would argue it is, I'm sure. But I would probably not. Uh, I, I forgot the, uh... Excuse me, a uh, girl in this, uh, a played by Ava Green. How how good she was, though. Sort of the highlight of the movie, Ava, Ava Green. Yeah, a really, really good acting in this movie, which is something uh, I almost don't like in a James Bond movie, is good acting. <laughs> what the frick? Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, pretty incredible. Judy Dench is back. Uh, yeah, really, you know, a good thing there. Uh, moving on to Paddington 2. Yes, the aforementioned Paddington 2. Jesus Christ. <sighs> I laughed, I cried. Yeah. Both. Both of those emotions. Uh, pretty incredible <laughs> movie that it's shocking that, as I say, 
a, a grown-ass man. Uh, watched this with the missus who also loved it. She, if you are familiar at all with her broken rating scale, uh, almost nothing gets more than a three. Uh, except for, you know, Rush Hour. <laughs> gets a 5 out of 5. Uh, she gave this a 6 out of 5, which is unheard of on her scale. So, putting it in one of her favorite movies of all time? I, I assume so. Yeah, just pretty incredible. Uh, I, I'm not going to go into anything other than to say I've heard this spoken of on many podcasts before. This movie always in very, very high regard. And now I'm just joining those ranks of saying you should definitely watch Paddington 2. No matter your age, uh, gender, race, creed, color, uh, religion, other defining characteristic. Just watch Paddington 2, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll go 5 out of 5. Yeah, e easy for me to go 5 out of 5. I'm not going to quite go 6 out of 5. Uh, I, I save my 6 out of 5s for very special occasions, like Zelda. Oh yeah, did I not, did I not rate that? 6 out of 5, obviously. Uh, okay, moving on to Middleman. Uh, this falls under the category of movies that Netflix said I should watch, which, uh, I like to point out, is usually very, very spot on. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, as long as you... Uh, rate movies in Netflix. Ah, oh, man, I miss the rating scale. I, I hate the thumbs up, thumbs down. Bring that, br bring back the numbered system, Netflix, please. Wonder why they got rid of it. it probably just it was hard to keep track of. Like here's binary one or zero, whereas before they it was harder to store. Uh, I don't know. Whatever it was, bring it back. Uh, Middleman is the name of the movie. Lenny Freeman is a straight-laced old-school accountant with a dream to become a famous stand-up comedian. The problem, the problem is he's not very funny. Uh, so uh, the, the titular middleman is played by Jim O'Hare, who you may remember from The Office. Um, I was sort of wondered about... Uh, I've heard him on many podcasts. I've seen him in uh, skits in various forms. Uh, and he seemed like he could sort of vacillate between his sort of uh, Parks and Rec happy-go-lucky character guy uh, and then get kind of dark as well. And in this he does uh, go back and forth. He's sort of a, a, a lovable uh, loser at first uh, and then it gets darker and darker. And I think that's why Netflix said I would like this movie is because of my love of dark comedies, which this very much is. Uh, he just sort of falls into this world where uh, it's almost like uh, the episodes of Frasier where they would have a party and shit would start going wrong and they would have to hide it and sort of act calm and things would just crumble, crumble, crumble. Uh, it reminded me of this sort of uh, one person ends up dead and then by the end of uh, the movie lots of people are dead. Yeah, that's all I'll say. Uh, Middleman, I'd give it like a solid four... Uh, four out of five, uh, especially if you like these kind of dark comedies, which I do. Speaking of dark comedies, no, this is not a dark comedy. It's dark and so kind of, and not a comedy. Uh, Death Note. Oh boy, from uh, 2017. Yeah. So uh, let's should we even talk about the fact that this character should be played by an Asian uh, individual? Should we talk about that? That it should be period and is not uh also the movie's not great uh the only reason i watched it 
uh, is because I knew very little of the actual factual. Is it a manga or uh, anime? Uh, I knew very little of Death Note as a uh, intellectual property, and I figured uh, this version, such as it is, would give me a, a, at least a little bit of that. And f for that reason, you know, I'll, I'll give it like a, a two, maybe a one. Uh, just in the fact that now I know a little bit more about Death Note. But the movie, ooh, man. Uh, a high school student named Light Turner. Father Heavy Turner. Uh, discovers a mysterious notebook that has the power to kill anyone whose name is written within its pages. And launches a secret crusade to rid the world of criminals. Uh, Willem Dafoe plays uh, Ryuk, Ryuk uh, who is like the person who does the bidding of the Death Notebook, uh, the, the mystical Japanese death creature, uh, and that was interesting. Uh, his, his voice is creepy because you can sort of picture his creepiness. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's give, it, let's give the, the movie two for his performance. Uh, one for me knowing more about Death Note and being interested in it and wanting to actual see the the real thing uh and then one for willem dafoe uh last but not least noma i feel like there should be a colon there my perfect storm uh after winning the best restaurant in the world award in 2010 11 12 and 14 chef renee discusses his copenhagen restaurant noma and how his culinary philosophy has shaped its success uh yeah good uh good doc uh, if you've ever watched much in the way of food uh, docs or TVs, uh, the possibility that you've heard of this restaurant is probably very high. Uh, I've always sort of been fascinated by it because it's got some interesting, uh, as he says, culinary philosophies. Um, the missus and I looked into the pricing, and as you can expect from a, a, a restaurant that has been awarded best in the world so many times, it's pretty expensive. It's like a $500 Canadian, uh, which I, I guess if you're going to have the best restaurant in the world experience, 500 is potentially not insane. 500 Canadian, that is. So, you know, you can do the conversion there if you like. We had to do it from uh, Danish Kroner, I think it is. Anyways... Uh, what surprised me most about this is the access of the documentary crew uh, was very, very high. And I'm wondering, did they come to uh, Renee or did Renee come to them? Did he pay for it? Uh, how did this come about? And, and the reason I wonder that is because often in this movie, uh, the head chef uh, owner, I think part owner of the restaurant, the, the, the main guy of this documentary movie, is not... He, he's he's not portrayed in a very favorable light like he's he starts off he is but then eventually he's like a bit of a dick and both the missus and i were like at, at certain points like oh jesus christ this guy's a fucking asshole uh and, and the film uh, I, I mean you could film anything and edit it to make people look anyway but uh, some of the things he did and said and the way it was edited <laughs> just really made him seem like a bit of a dick, which I do not care for, as you know. Uh, the movie, though, I'll go four as well. Yeah, definitely good. Uh, we watched it before we ate, too. Uh, and that's a good combo. Watch a documentary involving food before dinner and, uh, you know, get your appetite up as you do. Folks, uh, I think... 
that's it. Uh, I'm gonna go play Zelda now because it's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And, and I, I mean, mean done. Done and done. <laughs> <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper